Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. This episode is brought to you by the Boneyard Huskies Club. The Boneyard Huskies Club empowers UConn student-athletes while providing UConn fans with access to exclusive community, utility, and rewards. The Boneyard Huskies Club is excited to announce Locker Mania. If the UConn men's basketball team wins the NCAA championship, Fans who purchase a Boneyard Huskies Club men's basketball 2022-2023 season collectible will automatically receive full credit back for each purchase, and the athletes will still receive the full revenue from sales of their collectibles. For more information, go to BoneyardHuskiesClub.com. That's Huskies with a Y-Z at the end, BoneyardHuskiesClub.com. We just hit less than a month to selection Sunday. So there, there's only one person to have on this podcast. He's getting ready. You, you could see him in the bunker there. He's uh, he's hunkering down. It's ESPN's Joe Lenardi. So welcome back to the podcast. Jared, always a treat to see you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So UConn fans have been very excited about bracketology this year. Team got off to a hot start. They've had some ups and downs this year. So I think from a bracketology standpoint, it's it's been a pretty interesting season so far for them. Would you agree? Yeah, I think if we could have gone straight to the NCAA tournament from the non-conference portion of the season, they might be the number one overall seed. <laughs> it, it's crazy how, how, and it's not even just UConn, it, it seems like every team this year has gone through those ups and downs where one day they look like they're unbeatable and then looks like what happened to them. Um, so I, th- I think their, their ups and downs are a little more extreme than most. <laughs> I, I, I'd say you're probably fair I, I, on that standpoint. As you look at this UConn team right now, what's your overall thoughts on them and where they stand in this bracketology process? Because to me, just looking at, at what's out there, it seems like unless this team really tanks this, last little bit of stretch here it seems like they might be locked into that four or five area is that where you see this team kind of going forward i do uh i i think you know they they set themselves behind the eight ball early in the big east so it's kind of hard to seed uconn ahead of a marquette or ahead of even xavier at this point simply looking at the standings it's one of the few conferences that still plays a true round robin and not an unbalanced schedule. So, you know, if you finish two or three games ahead of somebody, that means you were two or three games better than they were over the course of what, you know, 20 league games. So uh, that doesn't mean that UConn can't go the furthest in the NCAA tournament or for that matter, win the big East tournament. Right. I mean, you know, they're playing at their home away from home and, 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 they have great designs on being there again uh, in March, potentially, uh, with a pit stop at Albany. Yeah. But in order to make that happen, uh, a little bit of a move up the seating chart wouldn't be a bad idea uh, to give them, you know, the, the closer you are to the top, the more likely you are to get your preferred geographic uh, destinations. If you can't gets you know they, they've shown signs of, of getting back on track with a big win over Marquette they played Creighton uh tough on the road uh the schedule softens up a little bit for them the, the final bit of the regular season here what do you think I it takes what, what, what do you think it takes for this UConn team to work itself up that seed line so 
I mean, would you say there's a ceiling of, of maybe a three seed? Should they go on a run, maybe win the Big East tournament? Yes, and I suppose even a two is not completely out of the question. But there's really not all that much difference between a two and a three anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess you could get a slightly easier path in the earlier rounds. But, you know, that's usually more about matchups than anything else. And, you know, once you're in the regionals, even if you're playing the two as the three, then it's just a question of what color uniform you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, look, like, like we said, this team at its best can beat anybody. Right. Including the current number one team in the country. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so there's there's no reason to be anything but hopeful for the Huskies, but I would be looking, you know, they're pretty decent favorites in every game the rest of the way. And you know, what what's the hardest game the rest of the way? Maybe in Philly to close the season. Yeah. Um, you know, they really they really have every opportunity to maybe even look better than they are in right. these last five games, three at home. The two road games are both games in which they'll be favored. Um, I look for them to win them all. And frankly, uh, I don't know that I'm confident because yeah, it was a tight game at, at, at Creighton, but you know, neither team was artistic. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, let's be honest. They won at Georgetown because the other team was Georgetown, yeah. because the winning team was Connecticut. No, fair, fair, fair points there. Okay. Um, I'm curious because I, I feel like, as you know, college basketball in particular has really started to dive into all of the analytics out there, whether it's looking at Ken Palm, looking at the net, those have held UConn consistently high throughout the year, even when they were struggling and had lost six of eight, I, I think they were still six in Ken Palm, you know, seven in the net. How, yep. how, how do you value those uh, data points there from Ken Palm, the net and those type of things as you're evaluating this team? Well, they built up a lot of equity early. Uh, and, you, you know, kind of like in baseball, I always say, you, you know, you get to May 1st or May 15th, somebody in the majors is hitting 450. Yeah. Because it's a smaller sample. Yeah. Right? And sure enough, you know, we haven't had a 400 hitter since 1941 <laughs> for a reason. Right. And, and, and it, it, it's Yukon's, you know, bad stretch wasn't long enough to undo all the hits they got in April. Right. It, and, and, you know, now they're at least back to being regular good. Yeah. Uh, so, so the the qualitative side of the metrics related to efficiency and and offensive and and defensive per possession metrics are are still going to be pretty good for them. Uh, you know, in 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 some places, even the best in the Big East. And you know, again, if if we go back to the beginning of league play or the first of January, and people voted. A Big East power rankings, you could have UConn would have won going away, right? That point, uh, and and they may yet again, uh, because you know finally they seem to have a stretch in league play that a lot of the other contenders have already had, right? Right? Yeah, uh, but, but you they got to take advantage of it, and for sure, 
you know, easier said than not because some of those teams are playing for their postseason lives or playing for seating in New York or, you know, playing for their coaches' jobs, to be yeah. quite honest. I think one thing that UConn fans have been intrigued by, and I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, is the path to go Albany, MSG. That's your path to a Final Four. Do you mm-hmm. see UConn being able to still be in a position to line that up where they can get that Albany MSG route? What is it going to take for them to to get to MSG? Because it seems like Albany could be or, or could be relatively close to, I don't want to say a lock, but at the four or five range, probably end up in Albany at, at a minimum, I would say. Would you agree? I would agree in part because the Northeast is weak. Yeah. Relatively speaking to the rest of the country and its normal you know, standards. Right. So, you know, there's no Syracuse in the mix. Um, you know, there's not, you, you know, back in the day, a, a, a Marcus Camby UMass in the mix. You know, teams that would be naturally competing for those spots. Villanova, right? right? I mean, just yeah, not, it's not, it's not happening. So I, I do think Albany is fairly likely, you know, maybe 70-30, 80-20 kind of odds. Now, it gets tricky after that, not just because, I mean, I mean, you would think, okay, well, UConn could still be the best pure Eastern team on the board. Yep. Right? So why wouldn't they be naturally slotted for the East region and the Garden? Well, because there's a ton of other bracketing principles that come into play, as you well remember yes. from your brilliant performance as <laughs> in fundamentals of bracketology, whenever that was. And, you know, like, suppose they're even a, a three, right? But the other threes are Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas State. Yep. Right? Well, we know that the top four teams from every conference have to go in different regions. That, and if they're on the first four lines, so if the Big Twelve has got four or five teams up there, which they, they do, and probably yeah. will. Well, one of them might have to go to New York as the three or the four, simply to be separated from their conference mates. That makes and sense. And that yeah. could bump Connecticut somewhere. They don't want to be. It wouldn't change Albany, which could feed wherever. It's not right. like the old that Albany would be locked to the garden. Right. Right. Like we haven't had that for a number right. of Right. Al- Albany could end up in Vegas, for instance. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, y- you know, in a way, if I'm a UConn fan, I actually think the garden is more important than Albany. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, obviously, there's no garden if you don't win two games somewhere. Right. Exactly. Bird in the hand. Yeah. Uh, But, but, you know, having the juice and the more homish crowd will probably be more handy in a two, three, sweet 16 game. Exactly. And it will be in a three, 14 game against, you know, McNeese State or whatever. Not that we haven't seen. Those teams lose also. Right, right. But, uh, but, and it's a big but. Um, but yeah, I I would pack for Albany as a UConn fan, uh, but I wouldn't pack for two weekends. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and uh, 
you know what, if they, if they end up in Vegas, it might even end up being a little bit of a cheaper right. ticket if you want to, if you want to go. So it, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and it might, you know, it, it might not have anything to do with them. Yeah. We, we can blame the big 12. The big 12 is going to be the bracketing bogey. If you will, I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's meats. This fourth-generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosol's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. For more information, visit martinrosolsinc.com and go support a Yukon fan-owned business. And now back to the interview. And that, that's a perfect segue. As we talk about the conferences here, how do you view the Big East this year in comparison to, to the other major conferences out there? Because for the past few weeks, I, I think they've had four, at least four or five teams ranked in the top 25 as you look at it from that standpoint. Well, it's definitely better than the Pac-12. And I think also better than the ACC. So of, of the power six, if you will, we're already yeah. up to four. Uh, not better than the Big 12. Um, I don't I don't think better than the SEC in terms of the top teams anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and you know we could certainly argue that after Purdue, it would be comparable to the Big Ten. Okay. Uh, but I mean the Big Ten does have Purdue. <laughs> And you know, in spite of dropping all the way to third in the polls and second on the seed list, uh, I think it's fair to say that if if Purdue were to join the Big East tonight, they would be favored to win. Yeah, and, um, and that's okay. But but I mean, I still think the Big East has had an excellent year. And if you look, you know, like I I, I tend to look at second weekend potential mm-hmm. as a sign of both both quantity and quality, right? So, I mean, UConn can be in the second weekend. Marquette can be in the second weekend. Creighton can be in the second weekend. Xavier, if healthy, can be in the second weekend. Uh, I even think with the right draw, Providence could be Mm -hmm. in the second weekend, although they seem to be slipping a bit. And, you know, you get three or four teams in a Sweet 16. It's pretty good. You had a great year. Yeah. Because almost every game at that point, Unless you're looking at an obvious number one or number two overall, every game at that point is a 50-50 game. Yeah. You know, who's playing well that night? Who's got the best matchup? And and, and are the stars shining? And UConn has stars. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that part plays out. For the other Big East teams uh, who who might be tuning into this, it seems like of the rest of the conference, Seton Hall is probably the only bubble-ish team in the conference this year is that how you're viewing it and yeah the others are all you know in right those top what did we say five the top five yeah in seton hall now next four out i think probably not good enough Mm -hmm. probably not quite as good as their resume actually right uh and because of that, and because of the kind of natural ebb and flow of these things, as we've studied over the years, more teams by this late stage playing their way out than in, 
including the Pirates, I think they're probably going to miss. This is a fun hypothetical that I, I was throwing around the other day. Say history repeats itself. Georgetown wins the Big East tournament again. Where are you seeding Georgetown? Uh, I would still put him in the NIT. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what did they get that year? They were a 12. 12 yeah. And they, yeah. Well, they wouldn't be a 12. Yeah. Because <laughs> the 12s right now are the likes of Oral Roberts, top 40 net. Yeah. Whoever wins the A-10. Southern Mississippi or whoever wins the Sun Belt, and I think Liberty. Okay. And they're a good bit behind oh, all of them profile. But but to win the Big East, their profile can only go one way. Right. You're getting probably three quad one wins there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, plus they're hot at the end, and it does kind of catch people's attention. Yeah. But I would have to look to a couple of years ago when they did do it, and I don't think they were starting this far off. Right. <laughs> what, do they have one Big East win? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had more than that. Yeah, and they did, yeah. In fact, you keep talking, I'm going to look, because now you're making me wonder. <laughs> it's just one of those things that I was thinking about watching the game the other day, and it uh, it, it came to my mind. Um, hey, you need a better hobby. <laughs> I mean, that team was 9-12 and 12 in the regular season, 7-9 and nine in the Big East. yeah. This team is only getting seven Big East wins if they play with this team for five more years. <laughs> as as you look at the college basketball season as a whole, I feel like there have been a lot of surprises this year. And I'll, I'll wrap with this one. What, what's been the biggest surprise to you um, to this point in the season and, and maybe something you're looking forward to, the, to see the rest of this season? I think – the, the big picture surprises are Purdue and Alabama being where they are. Yeah. You know, two teams that were thought to be good to very good now going to be one seeds. And at the other end, the two teams they're in place of Carolina and Kentucky being somewhere between bad and suck. Right. And to be candid and, and, you know, I pick Kentucky to win it all. Yeah. And I think yeah. one, two, UVA 19. I think the last three tournaments, I've correctly picked the national champion in October. Well, that's not going to happen. And, you know, that's bad enough, but they're not even make the tournament, maybe <laughs> in Kentucky's case. Like, you should you should get your resume together. Maybe you should be sitting in my chair. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if what we love about college basketball right we get these uh these crazy surprises on, on both ends well um but joe I, I really appreciate the time i know it's busiest time of the year for you you're holed up in the bunker there i i, I hope it treats you well that the next month or so here it, it will jared and i appreciate it absolutely thanks so much for coming on you got it thanks for listening to the connecticut scoreboard podcast with jared cutler if you like the show and want to know more check out the podcast on twitter at ct scoreboard pod the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.